believe that in the 21st century, the topic of periods remains a taboo. My name is Leah, and in this podcast, I interview different people from different walks of life and different stories, and we talk about periods, because it is time to normalize the conversation around our blood. This is I Bleed. Before doing this documentary, I didn't know that there was such a thing as endometriosis. I had never heard of it, ever, which is weird knowing that 1 in 10 women suffer from it. That's around 176 million women around the world. To live with endometriosis without being diagnosed is hell, yet many women go undiagnosed for the longest periods of their life. Jessie lives with endometriosis. It took her almost 20 years and many misdiagnoses for her to get a diagnosis. And although her life has been shaped by endometriosis, today, Jessie uses her experience, her pain, her rage to spread knowledge and talk about this mysterious illness. Knowledge is power, she says, and talking about it might save one girl from going through the hell she went through. Yeah. I didn't even know about endometriosis. I didn't even know yeah. it existed. Yeah, and then yeah. I met a lot of women who talked to me about it. And then I, I didn't even yeah. like, it was never brought up. I don't think any of my friends yeah. knew about it. So, yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it's funny because I only found out, uh, I, I had heard about it. I had seen that word in some article somewhere, some obscure article somewhere, but honestly, like, I think it was like the year before I was diagnosed. I heard about this, like, honestly, like I, I was only diagnosed uh, four years ago, um, you know, and I'm, I'm 40 now. I was diagnosed with when I was 36 and, and you had your period at what age? 12. And so wow. I, 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 I had issues for decades. Like I was having really bad symptoms and I'd never, nobody, not a single doctor, not a single health professional professional um mentioned that disease to me nobody said anything no no friends of mine it was only one friend that had endometriosis who basically said this was again this was like six seven months before i was diagnosed who basically said your symptoms are exactly like mine i think you have what i have but no but it's it's just one of those things that I, i now hear of it because i have it and now people come to me uh, right. A lot of people are like, oh, I think I may have it, you know, and so the conversation is different, but it's around me because I have the disease, but it's not that it's still, even though it affects one in 10 women worldwide, and it's one in 10 people with ovaries and uteruses, it's still like considered a rare mystery disease. Um but it was present. I mean, I, I had symptoms and it's been disrupting my life for decades. And, so what and would not- they tell you when you like what, when you would go see a doctor, what would be the diagnosis that they would give you? All sorts. I've been diagnosed with polycystic ovaries, then told it was not polycystic ovaries, then told again, it was polycystic ovaries. Then it's stress. It's stress. Stress was thrown at me over and over you're stressed because they would ask me are you stressed why you I was like well I was worried because I I can't really do my job right because I'm in so much pain or 
or you know I am worried about I don't know my relationship like things that people are worried about and of course right. I'm stressed isn't everybody stressed but you know um it was that was the blanket approach many many times it was in my head I was sent uh, to have therapy I was given all sorts of um, mental health um, related medication, uh, antidepressants, um, all sorts of stimulants. Um, and it was just, they were just convinced that it was in my head. At one point, a doctor wanted to perform surgery on my spine because that's when, when I was 29, my symptoms started to uh, affect the, my ability to walk and my hip movement. And I developed a, a limp and I was in so much pain. I couldn't um, do this job I was in that I loved so much. I used to work in fashion and I absolutely loved my career. Um, and seeing many, many doctors at one point, one specialist was like, we're going to open you up and perform surgery on your spine. And, wow. and it was only because my, my partner at the time, my ex, he basically said, um, I don't think that's it. I don't think that 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 just makes no sense. Like it, there's nothing wrong with your spine. You're, you know, you've, and, um, and, and, and then some other person who was like, no, 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 don't let them do that. If they don't know what they're looking for, don't let them open up and look into your spine. Um, so I had all sorts of diagnoses, you know, yeah. thrown at me. but and, what and were the, the symptoms that you were what, like, what were the, like, were they the same throughout? Like, um, well, no, like when I was a kid, um, I was like, I told you my first period was super dramatic and I ended up losing a lot of blood and I ended up in hospital and then my periods just never really got any better. So I had really painful periods and it's not, it, it, they weren't periods in which like I wasn't able to say, you know, be social or anything like that. There were periods in which I could not leave my bed and I would be hanging i would be holding on to um the you know the the the, the, the grabbing my pillow and, and grabbing my mattress like digging my nails into the fabric and and sort of just not knowing what to do with my body and my parents looking at me going my mom telling my dad especially as a woman going this is not normal this is not okay um right. so that was those were my teens and then in my 20s it was things like um ovulate pain when ovulating and and stabbing pains and still very heavy periods and and then I got a lot of acne and um and then then the chronic fatigue started to kick in um, so you're constantly feeling lethargic yes and I couldn't open my eyes properly um I my my arms my limbs they all felt really heavy um, I had migraines. Um, I couldn't concentrate at work. I thought for a long time, I thought there's something wrong with me mentally. I thought it was like, I'm, I'm either, I'm lazy. I'm the worst person ever. I'm incapable of holding down a job. Um, and then in my late twenties, that's when the back started to, um, come into play. And it was this lower back pain that was just nonstop. And then my right, the right side of my body just would not function correctly. I got um, the movement in my hips became really limited. Right. And, um, and, um, and that's when I had, I started having all these tests and scoliosis or your one leg is longer than the other or, you know, and then they one only one specialist, there was this MRI scan that I had done and they saw a swelling around my sacrum. 
Right. And that's all they said. They said, you have a swelling around your sacrum. We don't know what it is. Um, later on, this is like five years later, six years later, I discovered um, when I had surgery for endometriosis that my sacrum was covered in adhesions. Um, oh. So they even, which is, it's just very rare. Normally you can't see endometriosis when you do um, ultrasounds and scans because it can hide behind organs and it can occur at very deep levels of your body but this was there and still they didn't and they didn't Nobody, like look more into it no no other than offer surgery spinal surgery which was what my ex said this is ridiculous this is not your spine is not giving you it's not it can't be that it's not it's, the cause is not the cause and uh but yeah i mean i went through different health systems because i was living in belgium at the time when i was when it started to get really bad in my legs and my hips and then I moved to Spain. And so I had to have all sorts of tests done all over again. Um, and again, I had to give up a job that I enjoyed doing. And, you know, I love being financially independent. Who doesn't love money? But right. I could not I could not stick to the jobs that I had because it was just, I was in so much pain. I couldn't walk properly. And, uh, and so, yeah, so, I mean, even when I got diagnosed, um, the doctor agreed to sort of look into me um, but because they were, he was more preoccupied about a lump that I had. I had a cyst that I had for years that had been right. living in my uterus. And he was convinced that that was the cause, the root of the heavy, for the heavy periods and the pain. He's like, that's going to fix it. And then that's when my friend had mentioned endometriosis. Right. And she would write all of your symptoms down. And so I had them in front of me and I said, I have all of this do you know about endometriosis? How do I get tested? <laughs> so you were teaching the doctor, kind of. <laughs> many times, Leah, many times. And he looked at me and he went, um, do you, does it hurt when you have sex? I said, yeah. I said, okay, we'll look for, we'll see whether you have endometriosis. And so, and then another doctor performed the surgery because it wasn't this guy in the end. And they finally gave me the diagnosis. But so what surgery like did they perform at the end? They removed the cyst? Well, they did a laparoscopic, yeah, they agreed to do this laparoscopic surgery, which is the only way to really diagnose endometriosis because like I said, any imaging tests, any ultrasounds, the reach of this, you know, what these things, what these tests can see um, is quite limited because they won't see what happens at a deeper level. And so the only way currently of diagnosing is um, through a laparoscopy, which is basically they do this tiny incision through your belly button. Right. And that's where, you know, they can put a, a camera through there and, uh, or, and, and they can, um, or they can also do it transvaginally as well. In my case, they did both because they were removing a lump in my uterus. So they went through, um, my vagina, but they also um, did the incisions through the, um, the belly button. The button. Yeah. And that's when they diagnosed me with endometriosis. Yeah. And what happens once they diagnose you? Like, so is it like, what, what did you, first of all, how did you feel once you finally got a diagnosis? Like it, it was, it's weird because it's this kind of feeling where you are you know, I already knew a bit about the disease enough to know that it wasn't going to be an easy thing to live with. And so it's weird to be wishing for a disease, to, but it's, that's how you felt. You, you were like, you're at this point where you've been through so much and so many years and 
of, of seeking for an answer. And I wanted it to be the answer. I wanted to be told, yes, this is it. Um, and so it's that kind of mixed emotion at the same time you're, you hear in the news and you're feeling immediately deflated because you, you know, you, you have this chronic condition. And, um, so it, it, it felt, it was shortly afterwards, after I, when I got home, I recovered and then suddenly you just, I felt validated, but it's a bittersweet validation because you can't go back to every single doctor that you've seen every single person or, or relative that's been mean to you because they considered you difficult because you were being difficult. You were in pain that during a family reunion and you were the difficult one or you're too emotional or you, you know, you can't get a job and stick to it. Um, so it's kind of like that thing where suddenly you feel validated, you know, it's not your fault. You know that, no, I wasn't going crazy. I wasn't losing my mind. I was not imagining it. So you do get this validation that after all those years, or you were just, you're just a normal person dealing with a disease. It's like, right. You know, yeah, definitely. I can imagine yeah. like, yeah, it's, wow. it's, it's, it's a bizarre, like I said, it's just a strange one because you are, I, I, I wrote about this recently about the, the mixed emotions that come with being diagnosed because you are sort of wanting to have an answer. And it's like, it, it, I, I've, I've spoken to many patients through my work and, ones that are not yet diagnosed and they so want to be diagnosed with it even even knowing that it's it's a it's not a nice disease to live with and it's for right. the rest of your life it will be very likely very very present um but you you just want this this confirmation that you that is something that is out of your hands that is something real that the pain is real because it's not heard otherwise like until you diagnose it diagnose it it's not really yeah. heard by others so much no that's the thing it's like I never heard that term um you know it's like I, I I never nobody came to me and 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 said that this exists and it sounds like like it took so long for somebody who suffered it you know who lives with it who to basically go hey you know um but it's not something that all you hear constantly is it's in your head it's in your head you know, it's stress. You need to manage your emotions. Yeah. You know, you, you, right. know, you need to um, get over it, get a grip. You know, I, I, it's destroyed relationships for me because it's for years, people, some people were linking my personality to this disease. And so they, like I said, to the know, struggle you, that you're living, actually, it's yeah. a struggle. Wow. Well, yeah. And so it, it's, it's just that it's a very, it's a mixed bag of emotions getting diagnosed with a disease. Um, and and yeah. once you're diagnosed, are you given like different types of medication or are there medication or are there things that you can do to kind of make your life yeah. a little bit more like uh, easy somehow? Yeah, that's, that's, well, that's, some, it's, that's where it gets really complicated. Um, the thing is that when you, a diagnosed, I was diagnosed by somebody who knew nothing about the disease. And she basically said, I've seen it, it's there. I can confirm that you have it, but you're going to, you're going to now have to speak to a doctor or a specialist, blah, blah, to deal with this. Like they were not. So you have to actively 
seek um, treatment. So you have to, with the information that you've been given, you have to speak to your um, specialist or your GP, whoever referred but are you there, to are, are there specialists in endometriosis in the there field are. of medicine? Yes, there are. There are not very many of them. Um, it's not the most profitable of careers. And that's what I was right. told by my specialist, <laughs> that sadly, there's not mon much money to be made in this field. So that's why there are not that many specialists. Um, and so um, there is, yeah, I mean, I, the thing is, for example, here in the UK, so if, you, the, if you've been diagnosed with endometriosis, you have the right to ask for a referral, to be referred to a specialist. You have right. the right to specialist care. And that was already the first battle, battle that I had in my hands because I went back to a doctor, my GP, and I, with my diagnosis and saying, and with a list of local specialists, I knew where they were and um, who they, you know, where the, the clinics were based. And I said, well, these are the people that I want to be referred to. And this male doctor was extremely patronizing, extremely mean and basically told me that I was playing a losing game. Like the way the healthcare system right now in this country is, um, there was no way that I was going to get referred to a specialist. Um, that's it? And, it, and yeah. then what? Like, and that's it? That, for him, that was it. Like that was, he's, he just said it like that. He took the paper, the names, you know, wrote down one of the names that I told him. And I left the surgery. I, I got to the car where my part, my ex was waiting for me and I started crying and I, um, I got very, very angry. He got very angry. Um, I placed a formal complaint and we decided to switch uh, doctors. So I registered to a different surgery. And there I spoke to uh, this wonderful female doctor and within two weeks I had my referral for a specialist. Okay. So but still like that doctor again she wasn't she was just a gp she she knew that what she, my diagnosis was just i needed specialist care so i got sent to the specialist but then it took three or four months until i could see my specialist oh wow. and and so yeah because basically with endometriosis you have it's either treated through um hormonal treatments right and or surgery those are the two lines of treatment that exist. And surgery is what? Surgery can be either the, re the removal of the adhesions okay. and, and any organs that have been destroyed by the adhesions or hysterectomy. Uh, but uh, neither of these things cures the disease. There's no cure. Even, Even after it doesn't cure it? Are no. you serious? So you would still feel pain after? Yeah, there's a lot of patients that have had full hysterectomies, which is the ones where they remove everything, including the ovaries. And they do, many of them say that they do feel better, but many of them say that they don't, that oh. they maybe get uh, a short while of relief and then it comes back. Um, right. Oh, yeah. So there's no, it's, it's a treatment that now is very widespread and it's and, I, and as an endometriosis patient, I have wished for a hysterectomy many, many times um, because it's like, well, this doesn't work. In my case, I can't even hold a, a, a baby to, you know, it's full term. I can't. So it's like it doesn't really do anything other than give me a lot of pain. But right. I know it, it will very likely will not cure the disease. So 
I, I refuse to go right now. I'm still refusing to go through this major surgery. Right. For um, sure. If it's not, if there's no guarantee of, uh, you know, and what about alternative like medicine? Like, you know, have you tried some alternative things that maybe? Yeah. Well, the, the, everything else, the thing is with endometriosis, you realize like, okay, so this is not going away. So I have to manage it. And it's, I think the best approach is to look at, um, as uh, the disease as, as a group of symptoms that you have to deal with. And so there are loads of things that you can do depending on what's really hurting and, and, and the version of the disease that you have. And so I've had acupuncture for the leg pain. Leg pain is this shooting leg pain that starts from the hip and it goes all the way down to the foot. So very much like sciatica pain. And wow. that's very common, very, very common. And so acupuncture helped, physical therapy helps as well. Pelvic floor therapy helps a lot. Oh. Helps a lot. Yeah. Because um people with endometriosis, we are so we've spent years in pain. So there's a lot of tension. And we have this this myth that we think that we have we have to do kegel exercises and things like that to sort of tighten our pelvic floor, but actually people with endometriosis tend to have it super tight. So they need and to that, like loosen up. Yeah. So right. there's a lot of that can that can give a lot of relief, pelvic floor uh, uh. therapy. Um, and then you uh, eating differently plays a massive role as well. Ah, uh, yeah, because with endometriosis, a lot of us get IBS uh, like symptoms, right? And um, so, um, and also certain things that we eat contribute to inflammation and anything because our issue is inflammation because of these adhesions that we right. have everywhere uh, becoming inflamed, and then that that's what causes the pain. Um, anything that diminishes inflammation um, is is or doesn't cause more is good for you. So um, I um, it took me a long time as well. This is one one of the things that um, people tell to endometriosis patients. Like, well, doctors don't actually because very very few doctors talk about a diet and the role that it it plays on the disease. But if you go onto any of these and endometriosis forums and there's the idea of this endo diet of or endometriosis diet and it takes a really long time until your body adjusts and and the changes and you can feel some of the benefits and it's really hard to stick to but what <laughs> um, is it like is, is it like like uh, no processed food no alcohol yeah avoiding yeah avoiding processed foods alcohol gluten and uh red meat uh sugar some people caffeine. I didn't notice any change after a whole, almost a whole year of going without caffeine. So I uh, went back to coffee. Thank you very much. <laughs> right. One thing, please. <laughs> yeah. Like, one thing. Uh, but yeah, but like um, eating plant-based, um, a, a plant-based diet can have, in my case, it helps a lot. And gluten, avoiding gluten and sugar. Um, cause sugar, I've, I've overdone it with sugar. I, I like, I have a sweet tooth and, I like sugary things, but my period pains have always been really bad if I've had a lot too of much sugar. Food. Yeah. So, but it takes a long time to sort of um, feel any benefits from, uh, from a diet. So it's like one of those things that when people ask me or when I write about it, I always have to say, this is a long-term um, journey that you're going to go on. And it's not a, you're not, you're not going to start eating differently. I mean, some people feel the benefits really quickly, right? Uh, but 
that's the thing. It's like it, it, it may take a while and the things that work for one patient will not work for another. Um, so you have to kind of work your own diet based on yes so it's yeah. an, a constant experimentation i guess yeah oh definitely yeah yeah um but that's the thing like um the thing about endometriosis is the way that it's been looked at now by doctors there's not enough there's no uh, the research is still very very limited the funds that go towards uh, researching this disease are still very limited and but there's been some advances in the last couple of years and even my specialist the way he spoke about the disease was very very different to the way in which is currently treated and looked at and, uh. and and so now there's more of an idea that there is an autoimmune link so maybe an autoimmune disorder um behind what causes endometriosis oh, okay yeah wow there's been All right. some really yeah, there's been some really interesting advances in that respect. But the scary thing is that it may mean that the way it's being treated right now is completely totally wrong. Yeah. And is it is it like passed on from generation to generation? Like, are there people in your family that you know that have it? Do you know? Well, there's people in my fa- there's been a history in my family of bad periods. Uh. Um, but I'm the only one who's been diagnosed with it. And uh, I have heard of one of my aunts having a hysterectomy and then being told that she did, it looked like she had endometriosis. She just, it didn't really give her any bad symptoms. And so, so she, right. but there has been a history of, of, of difficult periods and, uh, and uh, within my family, there is a link. There is a, it's one of the, 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 the way, one of the theories is that it is, there is a genetic link. Right. But um, one of the, the sites I write for, they actually did this poll the other day and it was about asking patients whether there was a history in their, in their family. And most, a lot of them were like saying that, yeah, that even though there was some of them, a few of them were like, oh yeah, I knew about endometriosis was right. one, because my mom or my aunt, or, um, but then others were just like, just a history of really bad periods and issues. Uh. But, um, because no. I think the diagnosis of endometriosis, like it's like before, like this. When when did endometriosis become the word that people use to diagnose it? Like, do it's you been, know? It's been used for a really long time. Ah, I mean, if I tell you, like, like a famous person that had it and whose life was really much defined by it was Marilyn Monroe. Wow! Really? Yeah. And already, yeah, she knew she had it and they knew the disease. I mean, they knew it existed and, and it obviously affected her life enormously. And she had several surgeries. And so it's, it's not, it's nothing that's been discovered just a few years ago, or just a couple of decades ago. It's like, it's been, um, you know, I wouldn't, I can't rem- remember. I probably read it somewhere when was the first diagnosis, but honestly, it's like, it's been with us for a really, really long time. Right. That's, that's the frustrating thing is that it's nothing new. But it's would you just, say that it's taboo that people don't talk about it much? Yeah, because it's period talk. And um. it's like you probably have seen it. You, I mean, I don't know because you've done the, the really deep research into this, but it's like how we talk about periods. Yeah. And, and it depends on your culture and your family. And I mean, for example, my mom, when my mom explained periods to me, it was really, I remember it really fondly and quite funny because... 
my mom tried to take the biological route. So okay. she explained that, you know, that women release an egg every month, you know, which is what will, you know, turn into a fetus. Blah, like a blah. chicken. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. I didn't the thing I was I think she told me this when I was like must have been like eight or something because I was quite a you know premature child and you know I mean she never had to explain anything about the birds and the bees to me like I I was a Madonna fan so I just knew everything <laughs> from very early age I had Madonna had Prince Madonna taught you she was the teacher <laughs> honestly way too way too early way too much but um but so yeah so when my mom explained that to me I I kid you not I imagined a, a fish egg because that's all that makes sense to me like how can we release an egg we're obviously not going to lay an egg so I thought has to be something super tiny and I remember my mom as well going it was a really small egg but she never said anything about bleeding she never said anything about blood and pain right never so when I caught my period and I started bleeding it was just like oh so this is what it is oh, okay like Right. So no, and then my friends we never spoke about our periods. It just wasn't, you know, you you're constantly hiding it. You know, you kind of. I mean, I I spend my teens in the south of Spain. Right. And you know, it's all about hiding it, and and you know, you don't want anyone to know that you've got your period. Right. And, right. And and you know, and so nobody ever said, oh, how how much does it hurt for you, and how much do you bleed, and. So no, there's nothing like there that. There's no so when, talk, right. No. So I think when you go to the doctor and you say, you don't even know whether, firstly, you put up with a lot of pain thinking that it's normal. Right. So, I mean, we're taught years. from a young age, like when you get periods are painful, right? Exactly. That's the thing. But then you're like, what, it, what is pain? Then it's like, what, how do you define pain? Because exactly. maybe I'm overreacting. Right. exactly it's like defined pain so how much and other than my mom looking at me horrified and saying this doesn't telling my, my my dad this doesn't feel right other than that nobody ever said anything about levels of pain nobody shared oh I've spent the last two days in bed or you know maybe nobody was experiencing that level of pain it was just me um, right. within my immediate surroundings but that's the thing. It's like, we didn't talk about it. And then as a woman in my twenties, the same thing at work, if you're, you know, if you're working with men surrounding you, you know, you're, you're hiding the tampons, you're making sure that nobody sees that you're giving your friend, you know, it's like, it's so, um, it's, it's yeah, it's very sad. And I think, yeah. and I think that's why it's so important that like, you know, by you talking about this, because there might be a young girl who is suffering and is, like doesn't feel that um, her suffering is um, has a place to exist. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's yeah. that's the tragedy of it. It's like you didn't feel yeah. that whatever you were feeling was justified or had a place yeah. to exist because yeah. you were supposed to be like have a painful period, but not too painful so you don't really talk about it. Like you know, yeah. exactly. Yeah, no, I think that's the thing. Like. I've ended up, it's, it's weird how I've ended up now being a writer of this topic and, and writing so many columns and talking about it so much. Like it's, it's present in my life. If I'm not having, if I'm not experiencing symptoms, it's still this disease is present in my life because I'm having to speak or write about it or, you know, um, and it's, it's weird sometimes because it's like, I, I, 
it's it's a it's a really horrible cruel disease and sometimes i really do obviously i i wish i didn't have it of course um but the fact that my career has now evolved in this way um whenever i read comments or i get an email or a message through instagram from somebody who is just completely and utterly fed up and they're just they're losing parts of their life it's just collapsing it's either their careers or their ability to have a family or their marriages their relationships and and it's really young women that are being dismissed and not listened and that's what really moves me and that's where i get very very angry and emotional and i and i get I see the sense in, 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 in my job right now. I see this is why I do it. This is why I am constantly writing about my disease. And, and this is why I am, I, I, I am talking about periods because it still happens because so many young girls will go through this experience and have no support and have, and, and they'll be judged in the same way that I was judged and they'll be dismissed in the same way. And, they'll have so many dreams that they had broken and just see them evaporate up into thin air yeah. just because, yeah. because of ignorance, ignorance and, 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 and dismissal and just a, the traditional way to approach uh, female pain. Um, yeah. Do you, do you think had you been diagnosed earlier on, it would have changed the course of your life? Yes. If if I would have been if I would have been diagnosed early on, I would probably still have my career in fashion that I loved so much. I would have because I would have been younger and I would have been able to manage the symptoms before they got as bad as they got. Um, I could have also um, my relationship took a massive massive toll and it breaks my heart it's only we only broke up recently and it still breaks my heart because i know that my disease played an enormous enormous role especially when we didn't know what was wrong with me right um and so yeah um there are so many things that could have maybe i could have had children you know i could have been advised into what was going on i could have been um guided um yes i i am a huge advocate for early diagnosis because that's one of the myths around this disease is that there are very a few very damaging myths that still doctors present patients with and one of them is like people um only people of a certain age have endometriosis and they keep telling young girls you don't have endometriosis you're too young to have it and that's a myth unfortunately there's a lot of women who have been uh, experiencing symptoms of this disease and then they go on to be diagnosed. So they had the disease way before, way, right. way before. And it will, it will, it, it saves lives. It, I mean, it's endometriosis is a disease that it's considered, it doesn't kill you. It behaves like cancer, but it doesn't kill you. But it places such a huge toll on people's mental health. Um, there are so many um, cases of women who are, and I include myself, have had to go through really intense um, phases in their life in which this disease was just destroying everything that was dear to them, that you end up having, um, suffering from depression and severe anxiety, 
suicidal thoughts. I'm not making any of this up. The statistics are out there. Right. Yeah. Horrific. And, uh, and if you tell a young person that this is what you have and this is what you're dealing with, but you can get support and you can get help through here and there are support groups and there are things that you can do. That's completely, that, that just is life changing. It's, but then you have, of course, I think it, to, yeah, no, as opposed to being told when you're 40 or when you're in your thirties or that this is what you've had all your life, but you know, nobody believed you. No. And I think knowledge is power. Like knowing, like, you know, knowing yeah, is, knowledge is power. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. That's what um, I always, I always tell um, when I'm receiving comments and messages and from people who are basically telling me that, you know, they are just in despair and they just don't know what to do. And I, that's the first thing I say, knowledge is power. If you know what the beast is, if you know what you're dealing with, you can, you know, live with it. You can kick it in the butt. You know, some days it will be there and it will just, you you know, you will have to go into your bed and put your duvet, your covers over your head. But the rest of the time you will, you will have control over your, over your life because you know what it is. Right. Uh, right. But yeah. It's, it's a heartbreaking um, job as well. Like I, it's, it's, I have to obviously motivate myself and, and say, no, this, this, there's a higher purpose to this. And it's, it's got nothing to do with me anymore. It's just, it's, it's got nothing to do with my own life. I'm, I'm who I am and I manage my own disease and I'm, I'm not even, you know, thinking about, Oh, one day I'll get a cure. It's not, I don't even think in that way anymore. It's just, you know, I think about the fact that there are so many people out there living, living with all of these symptoms and just, they just don't know. Right. Yes. No, definitely. I think it's so important that they know that, like to know, I think to know is yeah. like, can like, yeah. And know? even if it's not endometriosis, you know, it's anything to do with periods. It's like, we need to talk about periods. We need to sort of, you know, this, this, they're not, they're not gross. They're not disgusting. They're not, you know, but for right. some people, they're not a beautiful thing for a lot of people. They're not a beautiful experience. They're this, this horrific traumatic thing that happens monthly. And if nobody tells them actually that's not okay, what you're going through, um, yeah you just put up with it and 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 you just suffer in silence and you know and it could be all sorts of things it, you know it doesn't have to be just endometriosis no no definitely but like and what would you say is the silver lining of this but is there one would you like is there it's hard it's always i'm the way I, my way of writing um i can be very very um angry and i can you know, fuel a lot of energy through my writing. And sometimes I'm very like, you know, like we need to fight and this is not right. And, but then other times I, I kind of, I play around with humor a lot because I do believe that this is such a, this is, this is a, such a weird disease and it's embarrassing because it's got to do, you know, with, with some things that are just not very pleasant. So I have to laugh. And so my writing sometimes does take a bit of a uh, funny, more positive spin. I do like, I always like to have a positive spin to everything I, I produce. And, but, yeah. um, but like, yes, I always struggle with that. Like, mm, I mean, it's funny because I've never found like a silver line in myself, but I've had, uh, other women, um, older women, uh, who I always like listen to, you know, you know, I think you have to respect our elders and listen to what they've, you know, gone through on their lives they've had. And, 
and two have told me um, one of them is one of my Spanish aunts and another one is one of my English aunts and they both basically said oh, my English one said well this was before I got diagnosed but I was already taking steps into taking care of myself and she basically said you know that there's something now that's not right and right. because I, I was 35 or 34 back then she was like because you know that there's something that's not right already, you're going to take the necessary steps. You're young enough. You're going to take the necessary steps and you're going to learn to live with this. Right. And it's going to make you stronger and healthier in the long time and the long term. And my Spanish aunt said a similar thing. I spoke to her recently and she was asking me, how are you doing with what you've got? You know, she couldn't even pronounce the <laughs> end of the right. but she was like, um, I said, Oh, well, you know, I'm taking it each day as it, as it comes and then she was like you know what I think about you a lot and she was saying you are in control of your body you know what's going on and you are taking care of yourself in such a greater way than any of us are we're just living our lives going la 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 and then suddenly we could be diagnosed with something and go oh my god because you're more aware like it brought yeah. you more awareness about like it yeah. does it does give you I've whenever I speak with other patients, we're very clued up with everything that's going on. You feel everything a lot, which sometimes is not a good thing because it makes you quite paranoid and you think, oh, this is new. Or, this is a new pain. I'm not sure what this is. Got to go to the doctor. But it is true that we are really clued up and constantly checking ourselves uh. out and, and, and looking into ways of improving this feeling. And, and so I end up being fitter and and sort of more attuned with my body than than my friends of my same age of my same generation just because right. I have the disease it's like I'm constantly on the lookout for like that could be the fact that you know you end up being a really a, a self-care um expert and you know and and you you know you're making the right most of the time I fail a lot but you know sort of making the right choices right and trying to, to to keep on on top of it um so that's that's a good thing I think um, yeah no um, definitely yeah. <laughs> I think that I guess I don't know yeah um it's hard like I said I, I always it's hard because as much as I can spin it for me I know that it's not the same for um my, my friend the one that told me about the disease she got a few years of absolute happiness and she was like yeah this thing has gone away i'm fine and then she had to have surgery right before well actually when corona hit spain oh my and god she was she thought that it would be just a routine removal of adhesions and and that's it but they ended up having to remove a chunk of her um um intestines and uh, and then they had to remove another uh, uh, her um, her what, what else what, she had to have all these bits of her body removed and then she had to wear a bag and and her <gasps> recovery process was just horrific and uh, and she never knew that that was going to happen the doctor didn't know until they opened her up and so there are absolute horrific stories out there. I've been right. very lucky up until now, touch wood, um, yeah. with my surgeries. But for many, many patients, is it's 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 not fun at all. Like you know, you end up losing your ovaries, or you end up losing, you know, um, a part of you know a 
you know, your bladder is super damaged and they need to do some sort of, um, you know, um, uh, you know, cosmetic surgery to sort of make everything work fine again. And it's right. just, it's yeah. And then in the, all the hysterectomies that are happening as well, it's just, it breaks my heart. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, I like, I comm commend you on your journey somehow, you know, <laughs> like, been a wild one it's really I mean I it's just a weird thing like I never when you're growing up you think you know you're a kid and you just see your life ahead of you and you know you think you're just gonna do mostly what everybody else is or you have your own dreams of what you're going to do and then you know something that is so natural something that is just it works for so many people their ovaries you know released eggs and then they have their periods and I mean I remember when I had my my second surgery with with a specialist and he removed so many adhesions and for two I've got I got three months of relief right and then everything just went back to normal after that but I remember my first period was just like like my god like well it a bit of I've got a bit of discomfort but you know it's fine and then it just hit me I was like this is how everybody else lives. Like this is, this, is, this is what a period is supposed to be like, like some discomfort, but I can still walk, you know, I can still talk, you know, I, I don't lose the ability to speak, you know, I can function. And it was just mind blowing just right. to go, Oh, okay. It's never felt like that. That's not how my life has been, you know? Um, so yeah, like it was just been, uh, um, I mean, my life has been made, I always have to make this distinction and I always tell my readers and anybody that contacts me, like you're, you're so much more than the disease. Like I'm so much more than this disease, as much as it's taken hold of so many aspects of right. this, tried to take hold of so many aspects of my life. And it's been there throughout. I just didn't know it was there, but it was there. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's kind of finding it's a constant um, management and um, it's like um, Elizabeth Gilbert, you know, the writer of Eat, yeah. Pray, Love. Yeah. She, she, she said recently that her full-time job is managing her mental health. And, uh, and it's like that. It's like, well, in my case, is that too? There's an element of having to work a lot on my mental health, but there's that. It's my full-time job is taking care of of my body and my you know managing this disease right and it's right. not a life that I thought that I would have but it's the one that I've that I got and right. um, you know you know it's when life gives you lemons you make lemonade <laughs> it's <laughs> definitely a case of that like okay so now what do I do so yeah, yeah. So. no but um, you know I can I, I can partly empath 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 have empathy for what you've gone through but like even I, I can say like what I'm trying to say is like I, I used to experience PMS and they were real for me. But when I would tell people that they it was always dismissed like, oh, yeah, stop acting like you're nuts. Like, like, you know, even my husband who was like, I've never been with someone who PMS PMS is before. It's like, really? Like you've never been with any, like so there, there must be something wrong with me. So, and I was just PMSing, right? So I imagine 
and, and there was no room for PMS to exist because it was like, oh, you're overacting. Like, this is not normal. Like, get your grip together. We have to go, like, look at this girl. She goes swimming and you don't want, like, and imagine, and, and I imagine from listening to you what it would have been like if I had gone through endometriosis, if I had suffered, like, and not felt not being heard, like, you know, that there was no space for whatever I was experiencing to exist must be so frustrating. You know what I mean? I'd be like, and I think, I think you did a, like, I think you deserve to be praised for what you've endured somehow from society and the world. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and I, and I do think that like changing the conversation and making it okay for people to express what they're feeling and to be heard is extremely important. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Cause, yeah. yeah. Cause no, honestly, it's... I was like, <laughs> because you were talking, I'm like, <gasps> like I'd be, I'd be, I would, I would have been so angry. Like I would have been so yeah. upset. No, I, and... mean, I, I keep my biggest motivator um a lot of the time when i can't when my my body sabotages me weekly like i'll have bad days and i'm just and i'm a freelancer and i'm single and i live in the uk it's a very expensive country and you know i have to pay the bills and it's frustrating to just have a body that's just hell-bent on on sabotaging everything from your ability to earn money to your relationships and so there is a lot of anger um, I have, like I said, I can't, I, I, I can't say there is a positive experience or anything positive to um, a positive reflection about having this disease. I'm like, no, screw this. I hate this. Um, but um, I keep thinking about m- younger Jess. I keep thinking about little Jess, um, who was this teenager who wasn't understood by her peers like if I couldn't exercise or run as fast, you know, they're, they're looking at me and they're like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're thin, you know, you should be able to run like an athlete, you know, and you're like, I can't, something inside hurts and you can't explain what it is right. and nobody wants to hear it. And, and all those years of those doctors and, and even my relationship, my ex was great in so many ways. He was very, very supportive. He took care of me um, through my surgeries he he defended me he has had to defend me in front of relatives um and to say you know he's spoken up for me and said it's not her fault she's not being difficult she's in pain you know you you know stop judging her stop being mean but I, you know and and i've had people stop talking to me i've had like i said i've lost so much but i have to think about it in that way it's like well no now i'm a fully grown woman and now i have the power i know what it is that I have and I'm not going to let it win. It's not going to win. It's never, I mean, it's not, I don't like the the talk about battles around um, diseases, but it's like, it's a daily, it's like war. It's like being at war and every day I am just living despite everything that's happening inside of me and, and and that's been, and that is affecting things around me, you know? Um, And I'm doing it because, when I didn't know what it was for all of those years in which I was judged, in which I was in pain, in which I lost jobs, I'm going to do all of it now. Last year, I ran the London Marathon. I would have never 
never thought as a, as a kid, like I said, I used to faint all the time. I used to have dizzy spells. Never in a million years would I thought when I had this limp, when I was limping, that I could run a marathon. And I did it in my own way, very slowly. And, and, and but you did it. <laughs> I did it. And I was like, screw you, endometriosis. You're not taking more away from me. You know, it's like it gets to a point where you're just like, no, I am going to do this for that younger version of myself who had no nobody to help her, nobody to say, you know, there was no assistance, there was no support, you know, in that respect. Right. Um, and, and, and I have to do it now. It's, it's what I'm doing now. And that's why I, I, I write about, okay, what this, you know, I have to write two articles or three articles this week. And I'm like, okay, what can I say about endometriosis? <laughs> yeah. But I will find something and I will go, you know, my eyes will go tiny from staring at the computer. Um, and, but it will be worth it. If, if just one, one person reads a line that suddenly opens up their brain and makes them go like, shoot, I've been dealing with this for so long. Is this it? And if that sheds some light, then my work is done. That's my job done. And I am, you know, and it's justified the years of absolute rubbish that I had to endure. Um, yeah, it's some, somewhat justifiable. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's like a, your your higher purpose in life. Apparently, I had one. I thought you know it was going to be a completely. I had a completely different view of what my life was going to be. But apparently, this is. But I that. think this happens with a lot of people. Like mm. our views of our views are not usually, like you yeah. know how we perceive our life is not usually yeah. how it ends up being. Well, that's the thing. I think it's it's a lesson in in like yeah, like you can't control everything, and you know, and just because things don't work out the way you expect them to be, it doesn't mean that you can't not make them work for you. It doesn't mean that you can't not find a way to sort of you know steer your life and, and do the things your way. I'm doing things differently. Right. I, I you know it's not. Most of my friends are married with children, and with you know, um, with no chronic pain, with no daily pain, they don't feel they're fine. They're just carrying on, you know, right. and this is my life. Well, nobody said that that is better or that is the way to do it. As much as society tries to make us think that, yeah, there are certain ways. Yeah, in which we but, have yeah. but I think there are, there are advantages and disadvantages in both. Well, that's the thing you know it's like it's just a different way of living and there are so many versions of of right. lives you know? and we always and tend to think that the grass is always greener at the neighbors <laughs> exactly that's the thing yeah. it's like it's definitely not you know i know that a lot of my friends see my lifestyle and they're some of them are probably like oh you know i wonder that that sounds like fun you know right, right. Sure. Um, but that's the thing it's like um I think life with any sort of chronic illness kind of um, it shocks you it hits you at first and then you just have to start swimming and start swimming and keep your head above the surface and and you end up living a, a different life but it's still a valid life it's still a life worth celebrating you know you just have to find your way and you know and that's why I, I write and that's what I, I hope that that's what people 
when they read something, um, when I put a bit of humor in it, or when I put the positive spin at the end, I hope that's what works somehow and makes them think that, yeah, like I can do this, I can do this. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, yeah, you need, you need to give them a bit of hope somehow. Well, that's the thing. It's like if, if the medical field is not going to do it right now for us, you know, we as, as fellow, you know, sufferers of this disease, we have to say, hey, no, actually, you know, you've got this. I've got it. You've got it. Yeah. You know, you're gonna make yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. You uh, you take care and yeah. Let me know if you need anything. Yes, any... I will. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to share, like, and subscribe, and participate in my first period project or the pad art. All information are on the site i-bleed.com.